MSW Media. Hi, this is Pat Oswalt. And this is Meredith Salinger. And you're listening to What We're Drinking with the very handsome Dan Dunn. <laughs> glug, glug. Glug, glug. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. Well, this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. This is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Welcome. This is our 179th episode. Wow. I'm I'm just blown away. I'm thrilled about that. Are you excited, Matthew McConaughey? All right, all right, all right. How about you, Ron Burgundy? You're pumped, right? Mm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Yeah, I love scotch too. We talk about it all the time on this show. Megan Trainer, are you ja- are you are you fired up about the 179th episode? Because you know I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. That's true. She is really. I mean, anybody knows her knows it. She is all about the bass. She didn't give a shit about this podcast. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I. I, 179, such an economy. At this rate, we might make it to 180. You can do it! Yes, yes, we can do it. We can. You know who else is excited about this and has agreed to join us to celebrate the, one of my favorite actors ever? The great William H. Macy. Bill Macy is going to be on this show. He, In addition to acting, he's also a partner in Woody Creek Distillers out there in my old stomping grounds outside of Aspen, Colorado. I went out to uh, Bill's place in the Hollywood Hills and had a chat with him, and I really can't wait for you guys to hear it. Just a genuinely nice guy and a brilliant artist. I mean, uh, just think about all the movies and TV shows that Bill Macy's been in. So, got that going for us, which is nice. But first, from time to time, I like to spin a yarn on the show. I like to tell a story. And I've been feeling a little nostalgic Lately, maybe it's because I got a birthday coming up. I don't know. Getting older. You start thinking about the past. And so I uh, I want to tell a story. So I got a, this is one from when I was a child, actually. And it, but it does relate to the bar world, which is a pretty good indication of how screwed up my childhood was. Um, can I get some music for this? Storytime music? Oh, well, well, that's great. I I do love me some White Zombie, but I was thinking something a little more subdued, more mellow, if you will. Okay, that's way better. All right, so the bar isn't there anymore. On a recent trip back to my hometown of Philadelphia, nostalgia got the best of me, and for the first time in many years, I ventured to the old neighborhood with the intention of having a few drinks at P&J's. Now, P&J's was the place my dad used to take me to when I was a kid. And I don't mean kid as in recent college grad, I mean kid as in seven. 
Now, you may be thinking, what kind of man regularly brings a seven-year-old to a bar? I know it sounds bad, but looking back on it now, I can't honestly blame my dad. He was young and single, and he liked to drink. What else was a guy like that expected to do? And it was the 1970s. Things were a lot different then. Anyway, I don't believe I suffered much as a result. If anything, my dad's questionable behavior taught me to be independent, and it gave me some of the best pickup moves in my repertoire. Plus, I got to spend time with Tall Paul. Tall Paul was the P in P&J's. He was the owner, head bartender, and karmic standard bearer of the establishment. He was a big dude, man. He was renowned for his humorous nature and sledgehammer-like fists. The teddy bear most of the time, but woe betide troublemakers who attempted to make their trouble in Paul's joint. To me, though, he was a gentle and benevolent giant. He always made sure my glass was filled with coke and that I never ran out of change for the pinball machine. He even gave me my very own, very tall stool so I could see over the tops of the pool and shuffleboard tables. Tall Paul introduced me to a bar's most mysterious and magical space, the bar itself. Behind the stick, the holiest of holies. It wasn't playtime back there, mind you. Tall Paul wouldn't stand for anyone messing around behind his bar. It was a place where serious work got done, and he taught me how to do it, too. Showed me how to make actual drinks that were served to actual people who tipped me actual currency. That was usually only a dime, but hey, back then, that was two credits on the pinball machine. It was my first summer internship, and it was beyond kick-ass. Other kids my age were planted in front of TVs watching Tom and Jerry reruns while I was slinging gin and learning invaluable lessons about commerce, toxicology, and the oeuvres of Led Zeppelin, Rod Stewart, and Thin Lizzy. I have a feeling that my experiences at P&Js back then were what led me on my chosen path. Certainly why I pride myself on not just being a student of the glorious pleasures of liquor, wine, and beer, but also a student of bars and the culture of drinking. And also why I love me some bartenders. So when I walked up the block and saw that a boho coffee shop now inhabits the space where P&J's used to be, well, I was disoriented. And then a big lump showed up in my throat. For decades, P&J's had catered to a tightly knit, fiercely loyal clientele that reveled in the camaraderie, the cheap drinks, and proximity to home. It had stood sentry day in and day out, an enduring reminder that the more things change the more working-class drinkers remain the same. I couldn't bring myself to go inside the coffee shop. I just waited out on the curb a while, watching people come and go with their lattes and caramel macchiatos, hoping the door would swing open and Tall Paul would be standing there, smiling, with a roll of dimes in one hand and a glass of Coke in the other. Come on in, little Don, he'd say. Where the hell you been? So there's that story. Maybe a little insight to uh, how I ended up in this profession. Speaking of this profession, I got some stuff happening. Going to be at the Corolla Family Barbecue Saturday, June 18th. Hanging out. If any Corolla fans listening that happen to be there, please come up and say hi to me. like to meet you. You know, we've been doing these live shows at the Stan Comedy Club off and on back in New York. Well, guess what? And very preliminary, and I'll have more details as we go along, but I'm going to be doing one out here on the West Coast in Venice Beach, California at the world-famous Townhouse, right underneath the Venice sign there at the beach, 
on Wednesday, July 13th. I'm finalizing the uh, lineup right now, but there are some very well-known names are going to be joining me on the stage there. And once I have it all locked in, I will give you the details, especially those of you in the Los Angeles, greater Los Angeles area would love to see it, that show, and it happens to be the night before my birthday. So shit is going to go off, isn't it? Oh, we got we got this little word for you. A B C D E F G H I J K L M N O P Q R R R. Ah, oh, happened again. Whenever I randomly decide to perform the alphabet on this show, I always get stuck on those three R's. Guess it's because of my close personal relationship with Batiste Rum, known far and wide as the Three R Rum, because they practice regenerative agriculture, use renewable energy, and make responsible choices. The makers of Batiste Rum employ an eco positive solar powered manufacturing process from beginning to end it's the only known beverage alcohol in the world to have a climate positive natural production process without the purchase of carbon offsets batiste rum is made from 100 pure fresh cane juice not molasses or sugar crystals if you like your tequila 100 agave then you'll like your rum 100 cane juice it's an incredibly damn delicious rum to be enjoyed neither in cocktails i got two great offer codes from batiste for you Go to BatisteRum.com, that's B-A-T-I-S-T-E-R-H-U-M.com. Fill up your cart, enter code WWD15 at checkout to get 15% off all orders. And if you want to try their delicious Reserve Rum, and you should, enter code RESERVE to get 20% off. Folks, Batiste Rum is proof that great taste with true sustainability is not a goal for tomorrow, but a reality today. And that is as simple as ABC. Friends, I want to remind you that our friends at Murphy Good Winery are offering you the chance to win the job of a lifetime. That's right. Have you always wanted to live in breathtaking Sonoma wine country with a $10,000 per month salary rent-free for a year? Yeah, that's right. If wine country's calling your name, tell Murphy Good why you want a really good job. You're going to pitch them your passion, then your profession. To apply for this job, you got to go to murphygoodwinery.com. You pull out your camera, you film a little video, tell them why you're the best candidate for it. And again, if you win, you're going to be living out there for a year, rent-free, making ten grand a month with a year's supply of wine. Forgot to mention that too. Again, murphygoodwinery.com. Apply for a really good job you have until the end of June to do it. So what are you waiting for? Now, he's a partner in a brand that's near and dear to my heart called Woody Creek Distillers, based in my old stomping grounds right outside of Aspen, Colorado. He also, he does a little acting, does some acting, he's done a bit, movies you might have heard of, Boogie Nights, 
Fargo TV. I mean, it was Frank Gallagher on Shameless for mm-hmm. forever, longer than anybody should ever be doing a TV show. <laughs> but, but he did it as Sports Night. I'm forgetting so many movies, and we'll we'll get into them though. Very happy to have on the show the great Bill Macy. How are you, man? Good, Dan, and I'm really pleased to be here. Uh, it's good to see you. Uh, we are doing this from high up in the Hollywood Hills. Mm. We're outside. It's lovely. And we have some drinks in front of us from Woody Creek. So I want to definitely get into talking about your your long and just fantastic career. But let's let's dive right in. Should we have a, should we have a, a gin and tonic, you think, maybe? Oh, totally. I You're think speaking they, my language. You do it. Right. I love the way you do stuff. Uh, Bill... And- Bill's going to bartend for me. And by the way, let's get into this whole, when I say Bill, a lot of people out there know him as William H. Macy. If I have the story correct, when you were a young actor going by Bill Macy, you're in New York City, you get a role, and they say, you can't be Bill Macy because Bill Macy's on Maud. Yeah, that's That's right. That's right. The guy, great actor. Great actor. Great actor. And so you go with William H. Macy, right? Yes. For a while, it was W.H. Macy, but it was I unilaterally chose William H. Macy. But I met Bill... What a great guy. Remember um, The Late Show? Yeah. Lily Tomlin was in it. My sure. God, he was so good in that thing. He's a wonderful actor. Met him in a restaurant. He said, I said, sorry to take your name. He <laughs> said, um, oh, you take it. I'm dead. <laughs> I never knew what that meant. But. Oh, that's great. So that's, but, but you go by Bill. Yeah. All my pals call me Bill. All right. So starting off right away. We're going to lay some knowledge on you all With here. this so, magnificent summer gin from Woody Creek Distillers, which is a light blue color. Um, watch what happens when you put the, the tonic water in it. It changes color a little it's bit. Pre- it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's a blue gin. And then it goes to sort of a purple. It's like the, a um, pinkish. All right. Sort of, Cheers, here's, man. Here's to you. This is, all right. Let's kick it off here. Oh, my goodness. That is wow. so good. This is, hey, so refreshing and mm. light and just, this, I couldn't think of a more perfect drink to have right now because, again, we're outside, it's beautiful, it's sunny, there's trees. This feels like what we should be drinking and we are. Oh, totally. There's the pool, it's a beautiful day. It's Southern California where the weather is perfect every single day. Yep. <clears throat> and we're rich and successful, so That's why not? That's right, we're doing it. So let's talk a little bit about how you came to be involved with Woody Creek Distillers. Um, I'm married to Felicity Huffman, who grew up in Woody Creek. Uh, She moved there when she was a wee lass, I think uh, four or five years old. And um, a couple of years ago, um, thanks to Shameless, we bought her childhood home, and that's where I live now, in Woody Creek. And uh, woke up one morning, and they had planted potatoes in one of the fields, and that was Mark Kleckner. Um, who is the next door neighbor? And um, uh, we got to talking, and uh, sometime after that, they asked me to be their spokesperson. My official title is spokes dude, but uh, I go around and sell the product and press the flesh. And uh, it's a very small organization. There's Pat and Mary, the Scanlans, and Mark, who own it and started it. Um, uh, Dave, the master distiller, um, there's a bar there at the distillery and uh, some employees there. But it's really about four or five people that decide what's what with Woody Creek Spirits. Uh, And that's it. It is not corporate at all. 
And because Pat and Mark were both successful before they started this, they have one goal, which is to make the finest American spirits. And they started, if memory serves, it was with a uh, with the vodka, right? The vodka was first. Potato vodka. Which is 100% potato vodka. Um, Do you think I say the word vodka funny? No. Do others? Vodka. 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 Well, I have friends there's a bit of Philly in there. A little bit of Philly, vodka, yeah. Vodka. yeah. But like, you sort of bail out on the word I'm, before you get to the K. The D, I'm not. It's vod. Yeah. Vodka. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's what I That's say. Philly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's 100% potatoes, which gives it a taste, which surprises some people. Most vodkas taste like what you mix them with. But uh, Woody Creek vodka has a, a, a real taste for those bartenders out there. A lot of them like it because it's, you've had it, it's, it's got a viscosity to it, and it's great for mixed drinks. Mm, this too, and this This, this gin, is the summer gin. How, how, is this new to the portfolio? No, they had it, I think, uh, a year or two ago, and it just vanished from the shelves. People went wild for it. And um, it's uh, butterfly, butterfly flower pea flower, butterfly pea flower gives it the light blue uh, wait, wait, what and is then it? Butterfly, butterfly pea. Pea like urine? No, I am doubting that it is. But, wait, butterfly pea yeah. flower. I got it. Now I got to Yeah, Google now it. I, I'm going to Google this one. You'd we... think I'd know these things being part of the organization. Butterfly pea. P-E-A. Okay. Not P-E-E. And that's what gives it, because it really is. That gives it the, a little bit of flavor and it gives it that blue color. And uh, then there are about uh, six or seven things that they put in it. And only uh, Dave, our master distiller, okay. knows what those are. And he strangely does not wish to Doesn't speak. Doesn't want to give it away. Butterfly pea flower tea, mm-hmm. commonly known as blue tea, is a caffeine herbal made... Where is the butterfly... What part of the butterfly pea flower... So it's, it's a the flower. flower. Okay. It's the flower. And I think we source ours... Right out of Colorado, which is another thing about the distillery. 99% of the things that go in those bottles comes from Colorado. Starting with the water, which is renowned. Uh, there's an aquifer just, befi- just behind the distillery. And the distillery's in, in the town of Basalt, In right? Basalt, yeah. yeah Some people know it's, it's called Down Valley, Down Valley. from Aspen. If you, if you move out of Aspen, that's going to be the first town you're going to hit is yep. Basalt. And yep. then you got Carbondale, Glenwood Springs, which was famous yep. home of... Uh, after Woody Creek. After Woody Creek, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah Woody, Woody Creek's Creek. little, though. That's a little, little place in there. Um, so everything is, everything's being sourced from Colorado. All, almost every bit of it. I mean, some of the, for instance, in the gin here, I'm sure that there are some flavors that don't grow in Colorado. But uh, the rye, the corn, the wheat, uh, the potatoes, everything, 100% sourced. And from farm to bottle, sometimes it's a matter of days. It's all fresh stuff. And I think that makes a difference. Uh, I was talking to Dave, the master distiller, the other day, and when they do the mash, uh, you really get, you don't get much alcohol um, production after 24, 36 hours. But Dave discovered that if you leave it in a little longer, especially when you're doing a high rye uh, bourbon or a weeded bourbon or something like that, that, leave it in another 24, 36 hours, and those those other flavors infuse themselves in it and he's you can taste the difference in the end product and that's dead time that just costs them money there's no more alcohol but as i said before they have one goal which is to make the finest 
alcohol in America. Mark gave me a big lecture on the, um, filled me in on the yeast. Uh, there are some whiskeys uh, out there that uh, they have an open vat and the yeast is in the air. A natural, just, natural yeast. Yeah, oh, yeah. It yeah. comes in with the, uh, but it's not controllable. Um, um, Woody Creek controls the yeast and they get the yeast. I don't know where they get it, but um, they start fresh every single time. They're not time. in any yeast stores in Aspen? I don't They've think been so. They've forced out. By, they used to be. And then yes. Prada moved in. <laughs> I know. They were like, yeah. you get rid of this yeast. Now store. you can only get boots and cowboy hats. <laughs> no more yeast. A lot of pop ups in Aspen yeah. these days. Now, uh, you, first of all, you and I were talking off the air before you got on it just about how wonderful that area is and, mm. and that you spend a lot of time out there. Was getting involved with the brand uh, make you even feel more of a part of that community? Yeah. Yeah, um, and they're very generous. Um, uh, Pat and Mary and Mark um, give a lot of money to a lot of organizations around there. And the Food and Wine and the Jazz Fest, they're big sponsors of all of that stuff. Um, it's a great organization. It's very small, and it's it makes it very maneuverable. And... Um, you can tell they're having a gas. They really have a lot of fun. I've got a lot of people that come on this show, celebrities that are involved. Let's face it, being a famous actor, mm -hmm. while I'm sure there is a downside, but it, it's not a bad gig as far as gigs go, right? But when I, when I'm always just surprised, I guess I'm not being in that world, but so many of the people that come on this show to talk, they fall in love with this business. Mm-hmm. They fall in love because it's that craftsmanship that goes into acting and making movies and TV shows. It's the same thing. Yep. And you're producing, at the end of the day, you're producing a product that is so, goes so far beyond you. Yes. Some, right now, somebody is drinking this gin that yeah. you and I are somewhere in some far-flung place and have you, are you finding yourself falling well, in yeah. love with, the, with yeah, that culture? I mean, alcohol has traditionally been used for celebrations. I mean, originally, they found, they found uh, something of a pot still seven or 8,000 BCE in, in Egypt. We've been doing this a long time. The production of um, distilled alcohol predates written history. Mankind has been married to um, the evening cocktail for a long, long time. We invented beer before we invented bread yes we've been doing this a yeah. long time and it was all around rituals and celebration and it still is and it gives me great joy i think that's what it's all about well i'm uh i'm excited this gin is fantastic but i'm also excited because i've got bill and i have a mutual friend named jimmy yeager who's involved and jimmy had a great fantastic uh just recently gone from the world place called Jimmy's American Bar in Aspen, one of the best bars in the country, if you ask me. Now, Jimmy sent along a little something-something that ain't even out yet, right? Okay. This is exciting. So they, they, they're doing a, they launched a program, Woody Creek Distillers, called the Collector's Edition. Yeah. And you were there in town. Uh, along with my good buddy H. Joseph Airman, who's Fresh Victor, sponsor on this show. We'll be listening to a Fresh Victor ad shortly. Um, and uh, 
Who else was there? Oh, Larry Rice of the Silver Dollar yep, yep. in Louisville, Kentucky. Great, uh, the, the Silver Dollar and the Pearl in Louisville, Kentucky. So all these are, guys have magnificent whiskey bars. Yeah, and you're sitting around hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bottles. So you, you're 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 doing some. You're putting together some blends for this collector's edition, and you gravitate towards this the one that had eighty percent rye, twenty percent malted barley. In the mash, it's aged eight years. Yeah, it's one of the older ones. And this is going to be called the, the Bill's Barrel, I guess. Bill's could, Barrel. I like one it. One barrel, right? One barrel. One barrel, which is what? Uh, 250, 250 bottles, something like that. It's very small <clears throat> yield. Now, we are going to taste We have this. some. We have I've some. I've never right tasted now. this. Now, I'm a Southern boy. I was raised up in Georgia, so I was a bourbon drinker my whole life. And. When I tasted Woody Creek rye whiskey, which is their, their straight rye whiskey, 100% rye, I thought it was the best thing I've ever had in my whole mouth. Yeah. It is so smooth. It's peppery, smooth, with a lovely sweetness to it, and, um, well, that's Let's all I've been drinking. So I was surprised. This was a blind blind barrel tasting. So uh, I think they, we had six barrels out there, and... Um, it's the first one I've ever done, and I'm with all these heavy hitters when it comes to whiskeys. And they're using words like peppery, and, you know, I, I tried to float that one of the one of the samples I had has a, had a great sense of humor. They didn't think that was So this is exciting. We are trying this. Yep. Nobody's had this. Nobody's had it. So I was shocked when it's, this rye is a malted rye, 20% malt, and I was... So very proud when Jimmy and all those other guys, H, said, if you hadn't chosen this barrel, we would have. So I felt vindicated because I'm a newbie, a little bit of a newbie to this, and uh, those guys are experts. Cheers. Here we go. Mm -hmm. Oh, I rest my case. Isn't that lovely? That is so... And you are spot on, man, with the... uh I mean, the pepper is the first thing I'm getting. You're yeah. getting that rye, and everybody knows that listens to this show when we talk about the rye influence in 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 is, is spice. Yeah. It's going to be the predominant note you're going to get from rye, but citrus, a little bit of citrusy, and there. then right on the back though, I get I get a little a little sweetness on the back oh, that yeah. I think is real really and pleasant, ultimately smooth and drinkable. Wow. I'm wondering if this is barrel strength. Do you happen to know? If well, so, the ice is going to well, improve. If I fall it. off this chair, so yeah, we're, we're well, by the way, be an indication. Bill has these uh, chairs that I think are are they DUI test chairs or something? Because they're yes. a little wobbly. They're cool. They're very beautiful. We call cool. them the Alcatron. So if, if you, you can, can sit on this, you can you, then you can drive. If you can if you can navigate this chair after some whiskey, uh, well, I definitely. I mean, it's got an alcohol kick to it. It's not. I, this is not. 80%. I think this is no, no. I think it's not this, eighty proof. I mean, it probably. I'll bet you it comes out of the barrel closer to a hundred. Um, so it does need a little bit of ice, and it'll probably be bottled at around 80, 82, something like mm. that. It's but delicious. I do love the barrel strength. Yeah, That's great. Cast, cast strength whiskeys. I'm, you know, I tended bar. That's the way I supported my acting habit for years and years. And uh, uh, for a fellow who makes a lot of drinks, I've always been sort of a stickler with the ice. 
it is a huge component to a mixed drink. And sure. I think people take it for granted. Well, every, every part of it, Bill, and I've said this a million times, not just the ice, anything you're putting in that glass, you can have the greatest spirit the, mo- the most finely crafted spirit in the world, you put a shit mixer in there. There you go. It's over. Yeah. Drink's done. You yeah. put bad ice in or there, too it's much, done. Or too much, not too, enough. Too much, too little. You, uh, that's why I like the big cubes. I like the round cubes. I know. And they got to be cold. You got to start out cold. Because don't, you don't get that melt on it. Although, I must say, when I'm home sipping whiskey, mm-hmm. I do like when it gets when the dilution comes because you're picking up a lot of notes yeah. that you will not be able to. Here's what happens, folks, a lot of times when you're tasting. If you're just tasting neat, you don't even have ice. If you're tasting neat, obviously you're gonna you're gonna get a lot of that flavor. You're gonna, but the alcohol is dominant. You put some water in it. When I go over to visit distilleries in Scotland, or if I go to a bourbon country, if I go to Kentucky or wherever, I mean, you can make bourbon anywhere. But all the master distillers, all of them, dilute it with water. Yeah. And the reason they do it is so that you can it brings pick up out the taste, all the those little things that you that the alcohol can mask. I was in. Um in Great Britain, and I went to this uh, Scotch shop, and he had, I don't know, three, four hundred different brands there. And uh, he recognized me, and we became pals, and we were tasting this and tasting that. And I finally said, uh, do you have any ice? And he looked at me in horror and went, <gasps> and I said, oh, you're full of shit. You do have ice back there, and you drink it with ice when you go home. And he said, yes, but you can't tell anyone. <laughs> so what I love about the ice and... Um, uh, I do like bourbon and rye, all of these straight, but with the proper ice, it's, a, it's an ongoing story. The first sip is very different than the last sip, and I like that process. And when you finish the drink, you can start all over. When you make a cocktail with a, with a bourbon, what do you like to do? Um, I, because I work with... Woody Creek. I mean, I use Woody Creek stuff in all the drinks that I make. Uh, some people. I mean, are you an old the... fashioned guy? Or are you a, a, a more of a sour? You want to do a little. I'm an old fashioned guy. You're an old fashioned guy. I've often heard it said if you want to test a bartender, have him make an, or him or her make an old fashioned. That's the big tell. Yeah. And uh, I do love old fashions. Maybe I'm old fashioned, but uh, I, I like the. So you like aromatic cocktails? You're yeah. not big on you're not big on the the fruitiness necessarily. Putting a these cit- days citrus. I'm, these days uh, I'm drinking um, gin and tonics a lot uh, because we're going to Africa uh, for yeah. vacation and um, the quinine. Quinine helps. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just love the taste of that. Uh, and then um, we have a lot of fruit trees here in Southern California and right here in my yard. And so I've got Meyer lemons and key limes and Spanish limes. And so I do like making um, uh, vodka and gin drinks with those various limes because they're all different. Uh, Meyer lemons are a gift from God. What a great taste they are. My daughter's name is Sophia, and her boyfriend's name was Miles. And so we started drinking this thing, and we called it a smile. And um, it's uh, bourbon or rye um, with almost half a a Meyer lemon in it, a lot of lemon juice. Don't tell your dentist. And um, on ice, and I sweeten it with maple syrup, which I am a huge fan of. Better than simple syrup. 
I love the taste of maple syrup in almost every mixed drink you make. I've not tasted it ever when I didn't like it. It adds a little bit to it. And then top it off with club soda, and we call it a smile, and we drank a lot of those. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. Maple, you can make an excellent Maple syrup's hot like the banjo of mixers, right? Well, it comes from the mighty maple tree. How can it be bad for you? You never hear a banjo song and go, man, that's depressing. Yeah, right? yeah no. just, it's the happiest instrument there is, right? You know, it's pretty happy. It's happy instrument, but you play the ukulele. I do, also, which is even happier. Maybe even ha- yeah, yeah. As you say, like it's hard to although, make a ukulele. Although sound. that guy, I can't think of his name. The big heavy, he's gone now, but he did the cover of Izzy the, under the rainbow. Yeah, Izzy. That's haunting. Yeah, it is. That's uh, beautiful. It's his voice, but it's know. it's his voice that does it. But the ukulele itself can convey. A sadness. I don't think the banjo. Oh, you can. could, you can, you can find sadness anywhere, um, or melancholy. But ukulele is a magnificent int- How instrument. How did that come about? Well, you just picked it up um, one day. Right after we did um, Boogie Nights, Paul Thomas Anderson wanted to have a talent show. There was this guy from Australia who he, he flew up here, and he was it was sort of get the hook, you know. He was vicious and cutting. And uh, so all these, all the actors from the movie and a lot of more movie stars, and we did this talent show, and the rule was you had to do something you'd never done before. And I played guitar since I was a kid, but I'd never played a ukulele, so I bought this beautiful little Martin uke, and Felicity and I sang a song. And we should have run one, and I'm, I still feel taken. We were the best ones there, not <laughs> well, who, by a little. Who did win? I, who can remember? I think... Don Cheadle was going to walk on water. It's a joke you saw coming a mile away. Um, but um, I have not played the guitar since. I'm just crazy about the ukulele. You take it out of the case, everyone laughs. And if you can get any music out of it, everyone is shocked. Because sure. it's four little strings, and it's about the size of your thumb. I, Yeah, if I were going to pick up an instrument, like I play a little bit of guitar, but... Ukulele just sounds fun. Like oh, it does. Sitting it, around, chicks dig on it. a beat. Like right now, <laughs> if we had a ukulele, that's what's missing right now. But um, totally. You mentioned Boogie Nights. Um, have you worked with Paul besides that movie? Yeah, we did Magnolia oh, right yeah, after that's that. That's right. Yeah, of course. And uh, how I just saw his uh, licorice pizza. It was great, wasn't which it? It was great. But uh, <clears throat> do you have? You've done so many films, and in the intro, I I fucked it all up. I'm like, I could think of. Too, but you've been in a million yeah. different. You've done blockbusters too, weren't you? In one of the Jurassic Parks yeah. as well. And uh, what's your pref? I mean, do you have a preference? Do you like the? Do you like the smaller movies? I mean, that's kind of where you made your bones, right? I did. I was big in the indie film market, but that sort of went away. It's coming back, but now the best and the brightest are working in television, and I really prefer it. Um, I you you know, there's a lot of money there, and you work fast when you're on a TV show. You get to act all day. When you're in a, a big $200 million movie, you're sitting in your trailer most of the day. I mean, here's an example. On Jurassic Park, we would shoot two pages, sometimes two and a quarter pages a day, sometimes a half a page. On Shameless, we regularly shot 10 pages. And every once in a while, we'd do 10 or 12 pages. And think nothing of it. And these aren't just two, two people in a room talking. There's car crashes and stunts and gunshots and all this stuff. They just race through it, and it's thrilling for everybody. Well, you mentioned that TV's where it's at, and you know, look, Shameless was one of those shows that yeah. that sort of set the table for that. I mean, HBO, HBO obviously had 
Sopranos and The Wire and all this, and then Showtime was doing Shameless and and uh, Californication and yep. and these. Uh, you mentioned Don Cheadle had the uh, what was the damn show he did with um, Kristen Bell uh, yeah. uh, that one that thing. But Shameless, all right, that ran eleven for years. Eleven years. Now you and I are sitting here right now, and it's very sophisticated. Look at it. Look, got your pinky up. It just looks like you had the pinky out of. Now you played a guy. Who was not a sophisticated drinker? <laughs> did you? What did you draw on from that? I mean, you grew. You said you grew up in the South, right? You were Georgia and then Maryland. Did you know? Was there one person? Because I tell you, I grew up in Philly in a tough neighborhood in Philly, and when I watch Frank Gallagher, I'm like, oh, I know that I know guy. That guy. I know that guy. But what? Well, he was my dad originally, yeah, yeah. until he hit rehab, but. Uh, was there somebody? Everybody. Was there somebody you drew on, or was it just no. an amalgamation of people? No, the, it's the writers. I mean, I'm a Lutheran from Western Maryland. I would read these scripts, and I would just be horrified. It would be stuff that I didn't think was possible, like the most horrific. I would. I, I was. I watched the whole series. I was a big Shameless fan, and you would watch and you go, "No, <laughs> he's not going to do so that. wrong." Like just whatever you're putting in your mouth or your ass or whatever. Uh. It's just like. Ah. They never did a gag reel, but they should have done a gag reel of stuff that's been in Frank Gallagher's butt, because it would run 35, 40 minutes. Right. I mean, Frank was, uh, all all holes were open for business. Oh, we had magnificent actors on that thing, too. Joan Cusack at the beginning. Oh, just the... Chloe That's right. Webb Joan, and the cast. Joan is, was your girlfriend. Oh, my God. And who you took uh, advantage of. And hor- I took advantage of her. She's the one who kept shoving stuff up my butt. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, when you work on a show like that, obviously it becomes sort of like a, a second family. Do you keep in touch? Like, do you, like Emmy Rossum and uh, who's the guy that played Lip? Uh, Jeremy. What, what a great actor. Jeremy too. White, yeah. Just saw him on a billboard. He's got a film coming out. But uh, yeah, we. Uh, I missed it because I was working, but we just did our rap party. John Wells was a little behind the the eight ball on that one. Uh, it, we finished up. COVID was still going on. So they had a rap party. And we're we're going to have several more rap parties. Yeah, but there's a long email chain and we just... Talk. Well, you're, you're, a, you're a father in real life as well. You look at... I mean, you watch those kids grow up it was on amazing. the show. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm forgetting the names, but the the, the Emma not, Kenny yeah was eleven when she started that. Now she owns a home. That's insane, and right? Was and was working kid, on two shows at one time. And the other the other son, uh, he was young uh, too. Uh, Christian, yeah, uh, was. Do you feel very, a sense of in a weird way, like a sense of pride? I mean, you weren't oh, the yeah. real dad, but you were the dad on TV. And, and you know them. what? They were. They were so young. They learned how to act on television, and they learned real good. Um, I think television can go one of two ways. When you get on a hit series, either it will it will set your bad habits, it will reward you for lying, and it'll ruin your career, and it'll ruin your acting chops, or it can go the other way. And the bar was very high and shameless. Everybody showed up ready to rock and roll. We, you know, sides. They, they shrink down the script in a, into a manageable, smallish piece of paper you can stick in your pocket when you have to check your lines. We didn't have them on set. No. The rule was, no, learn your lines. If you've got to carry the script, carry the script, which is like a giant badge of shame when you're lugging that thing around. Um, everybody showed up ready to work. Everybody um, was on time. 
it was a very high bar. That and that's set. not always the case. I got no. And you are a uh, obviously your resume speaks for itself, but professionalism. Have you, I'm sure you've had some moments where you've been on set. And you're like motherfucker, don't waste my time. It's it's shocking. It's shocking some of the shit that goes on. This is what I love about actors, though. They may be full of shit, but they're never boring. <laughs> and I, I'll give them creds for that. No, it was, um, it was great. I was the, I was the, ominous grease on that show, and so I got to set the tone. And also, uh, John Wells, who created it and was the grand poobah, he set the tone. And it was a joy. You knew that all of these actors had your back at any given time. And an iconic show. I mean, it's yeah. it's one that's going to live, you know, outlive both of us. Well, sure, I hope. Yeah. And you know? uh, and you're right. Everybody had a a Frank Gallagher in their family. <laughs> Every single one of us. Oh, I had a I had a few. Yeah. yeah. I uh, and uh, you know, the bill comes due, but I don't. Did it ever really come? Do you think it ever really came due for Because most of the people I know, I don't know. Well, actually, I do know people that lived as hard as Frank. Yeah. And usually it ends one of two ways, you know. Jail or dead. <laughs> jail, dead, or they get sober. Yeah. Or they get sober. Yeah. Everybody Frank tried agreed. to get sober. Yeah, and it was a nightmare. Never really worked Even the kids him. wanted him to start drinking again. <laughs> um, he was a vicious dry drunk. Everybody agreed that at the beginning um, there was some talk about, uh, are we glorifying drug addiction and and alcoholism and um, I think all you had to do is watch three or four episodes and you realize Frank paid a very dear price for his excesses and so he had to die in the end everybody knew it how many times were you uh, homeless throughout the I mean they kick your own children are kicking you out they threw me off a bridge one time (laughs) into the Chicago River where does that rank in your I mean I gotta figure that's gotta be one of your favorite working experiences oh, totally totally what else I learned is a lot about acting on that show it was great to have a home for that long uh i i loved my trailer i love working at warner brothers i love those people it was fantastic by the way it wouldn't be la if they weren't cutting something down or, yes what, what do we have blowers or is that you think that's that's a chainsaw that's a chainsaw so uh they are they're Carving out some space here. I'm sure you can hear it, but that's okay. Uh, we have whiskey and gin. Now, we're going to quickly pivot to this bottle of Colorado straight bourbon whiskey that we have here. You bet. So everybody knows, and again, we've talked about this, bourbon does not have to be made in Kentucky. Absolutely think, not. There are rules to bourbon, but one of them is not. Now, I will tell you this, about 95% of the bourbon in is made within a 60-mile radius around Bardstown, Kentucky, but... That's changing. And yeah. It keeps changing and changing and changing. And uh, Woody Creek has their own Colorado straight bourbon whiskey coming in at 45% alcohol by volume. We know that's 90 proof. Bill's looking around Which like, do we have any extra glasses? No. Yeah, you want me to go get them? Just dump that. I do we want to just hell? dump it? Yeah. From... All right, well, we can. Uh, wait, wait. We're aficionados. I'll be right back. Okay. Hit we'll, pause. We'll hit pause. There we go. I had some people over recently, and the homemade drinks were a-flowing. All my guests were like, dude, these are the best friggin' cocktails I've ever had. You're an amazing mixologist. And I was like, damn straight I am. 
But my guest didn't know that I was cheating a little bit. Of course, I used top shelf booze in the drinks, and you gotta do that. But I wasn't juicing the limes or pureeing the prickly pears or grinding up the jalapenos that made my cocktail so great. All I did was order Fresh Victor. Fresh Victor is a line of all-natural, clean-label cocktail mixers that brings the magic of master mixologists into your home with contemporary flavors designed to suit any palate. All of the ingredients are fair trade sourced. There's no artificial anything. The mixers are produced at a 100% solar-powered juicing plant with absolutely no waste. Fresh Victor is here to let you put down the citrus press and get back to the party. Right now, Fresh Victor is offering a juicy deal to my listeners. Simply go to freshvictor.com and at checkout, enter promo code WWD20 to get 20% off your order. You want to throw a party? Throw a party and treat yourself and your guests to the very best mixers on the market. And that's Fresh Victor. Would you be able to abstain from alcohol for two weeks? No. We could offer you $3,000. Yes. I'm a sober man. Usual, Frank? Didn't you hear me, Jess? I'm sober now. Here you go. JB and an Whoa, whoa. I'm sober as a seven-year-old. Haven't had a drink in two days. Well, granted, I've been unconscious for most of it, but I figure if I can abstain from alcohol when I'm out, how hard can it be to do when I'm awake? What are you talking about? Medical study. For the next two weeks, my body is a temple. No alcohol for this fella, and I got this little guy to keep me honest. Hey, Lindsay Lohan, how much are they paying you? Well, who says I'm getting paid? No, seriously, how much? Never you mind what I'm making. You should spend some time taking a personal inventory of what you're doing for the betterment of society. Why are you in a bar, Frank, if you're not drinking? Came in for some support. The way I see it, I've done a lot for the folks around here over the past couple of years. And I could use a little help from you all now. I might hit some rough patches over the next few weeks. So I'd like you all to commit to not drinking too, in solidarity, like school children when they shave their head for the cancer kid. So what say you all? Who's ready to put down the booze with me for the next two weeks? <laughs> We're back with fresh glasses and more ice. That's right. We're doing it. So we're going to try some of this... Uh, Colorado straight bourbon whiskey. Yeah, man. You know, Colorado's getting quite a name for bourbon, so there's a bunch of them coming out of there. I am excited to try this now. Let's... Ah, here we go. Cheers again. There we go. Cheers. Mm. Dan's having his neat. I've got yeah. mine over ice. That means I'm more sophisticated. Does that mean that? What does it mean? Uh, you're more primitive. Mm. <laughs> That's Ooh, right. That's good. Oh, man. Wow. Just that is smooth as silk. Balance. That's the first word that comes to mind. A lot of balance in here. You're going to get... But what am I... A little butterscotch note on there? Getting a... Could be. I think that's from the barrels. It's 100% corn. Mm. Mm. Well, that's it, too. The, the When you're doing 100% corn in the mash, it's going to be... Inherently, it's going to be a sweeter whiskey but it's not by any means cloyingly sweet Mm-mm. but there's definitely a uh, sweetness to it if, if i were to meet somebody who maybe was new to whiskey i would say this is a good start well this would be a good start to go where you're going to end up mm-hmm. it's not a, it's not it's a substantial whiskey 
but it doesn't overpower you, no. right? And no. I and none I none like of them the, do. I find all the the Woody Creek uh, products are sophisticated. I guess that's the word. Now I'm going to put a little ice cube in here. Yeah, <laughs> welcome to the real world. I've always wanted to be like you, Bill. Now we're going to get the chill going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn it. Oh, you should see what I'm seeing. Dan is taller. He looks happier. It, <laughs> I think it. I think you dropped a couple of pounds with that one sip. I'm growing. I know. But yeah. Oh, man. Isn't that good? I can see why you got involved. Well, I was looking at these stills. There's a stripping skill and the still and then this magnificent pot still it's two and a half stories high and it's all copper and stainless steel it's it's if if you can get to basalt you've got to see the distillery and there's a bar and a patio and so there's uh, a, a tasting room there yeah 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 you ever you ever think about like doing a shift at the tasting room I think that would be. I think totally. that would be such a blast. Totally, I'll, I'll probably sing some songs. If somebody there. walks in and there's Bill with his ukulele, yeah. what can I get you? Yeah, ding 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 ding. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Right? I'm serious, man. That would be such a blast for people that I'm showed down. up. And, well, I'm there all the time anyway. You go to. You spend a lot of time at the yeah. distillery. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what I was gonna say is, oh, um, Mark was. This is years ago when I, the first time I saw the distillery, and he was talking about the stripping. St- still and then the this pot still and it goes through all these and, and he, he was telling me about the the alcohols that you take in out uh, you know some alcohols are good for you and some of them are really quite toxic yeah. but they're all there congeners yeah, yeah from the mash and i said how much alcohol gets cut out and he said um, probably half from the mash and i said what do you do with it and he handed me a bottle i looked at it it was hand sanitizer yeah. So just know if you get the, if you buy cheap bourbon or cheap whiskey, well, let me ask, what, uh, is, what does that go for it. a bottle? Do you know? It's competitive. I don't know, but I'm gonna guess it's in the thirty dollar range. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now we've got some. I think my signature barrel might be a little bit more pricey, and uh, there's some stuff that's eight, nine years old. That's a little more. But uh, no, Are you we're going to sign these bottles, these signatures? You should probably sign those. Yeah, I'll sign them. Right? Yeah, I mean, there's totally. only going to be, what, 200 and something, something? I know me. I'm going to end up buying them all myself and giving them for Christmas. And with all due, I mean, this this is a great whiskey, you know, the the, the, the signature one. But, boy, that the Bill's Barrel is, why are the bees coming right now? What's going on? Because you're so happy. A bunch of bees. They can shut. sense it. So bees apparently like this whiskey. No, but the Bill's Barrel, boy, that's a... That's a that's, that's quite a special a taste. that's a special dram. Right I was there. so surprised too that it's malted twenty percent malt. I mean, I don't know because I love Scotch whiskey. I do love oh, me too. thick malt. What are your what are your what are your kind of go to scotches? Are you a, a, a peated? Are you an Isla malt kind yeah. of guy, or do you I, like this? I like it more. Space I like this, if you stick a spoon in it and it stands so up. So you you like the, you like the smokier I scotches, do. like the, uh, the Brooklady and and yeah. and and uh, well, my dog's name is Boone Haben on the. My dog is actually named after a distillery on Isla, uh, but you've got Bamore over there. You've got the famous Grouse Lafroig. Lafroig, I, I, I love. Lafroig sixteen. Lafroig sixteen. Oof. Boy, Nectar. Nectar but, I, but I'm also a Speyside guy. I love McAllen. 
any of the Glens. All I, the Glens. It's the hard Glen to get a Libbets, bad. The Glen Campbells. Malted uh, Scotch, 100% malted Scotch whiskey. It's, they're not bad. Yeah, yeah. And Highland Park, too, which is way up yeah. on the Isle of Orkney. I've had it, but I don't know it. Highland, Highland Park is on an island that looks like something out of an apocalyptic movie. Orkney is an island at the top of Scotland uh-huh. uh, that gets blasted In the with wind. Oh, nothing wind. nothing can grow on the island. It would literally blow over. So there's no trees. There's no plants. It's it's But it's cool, man. If you ever get a chance to go up there, it's a cool distillery. And the Highland Park 18 is fantastic. For me, 18 is kind of the sweet spot, although Lafroig 16. But 18 is kind of the sweet spot on scotch, mm. aging-wise. I, I, I think anything more, you're getting too much barrel influence. Yep. Anything less... Not an eye. It seems so simplistic what I just said there, but no, it sounded really smart to me. But you, what about other bourbons? Like you, you talk about growing up. You grew up in the South. What were you drinking? Was it wild turkey? Was it what? what, what you drinking? Jack Black, wild turkey. Um, um, what else? Um, old Granddad. You know, someone <laughs> gave me a bottle of Old it's Granddad. A it was fine. It's a blend, but it was yeah. really fine. This this bottle was from 1962 or something, and it was still good. It, the, yeah. I thought the cork had been leaking, but it was really interesting. It, it, I mean, hey, the you know. labeling was so 1962. Also, uh, I got it. I cannot let you go without asking you about. I mean, one of my all time favorite movies, Fargo. Mm. So, what was that experience like for you and? Sort of, I, it kind of feels like that was a pivotal moment in oh, your career. Absolutely. Right? Like, uh... I was, it was early in my career. I had, I grew up on stage. I started my career in Chicago, <clears throat> started a company there called the St. Nicholas Theater. And then I moved to New York and started another company called the Atlantic Theater Company, which still exists. And I think it's one of the premier off Broadway houses in New York. But I had moved to Los Angeles and, um, that script came in. Ethan's a great writer. That script came in, and I thought, I must do everything in my power to get that role. So I, was, I went in, and I read for the detective, um, a, a smallish role. And uh, Joel and Ethan said, that's real good. You want to go out and work on Jerry a little bit? I said, yes, I do. So I went out in the hall. I went back in, and they said, uh, that's real good. You want to come back tomorrow? And I said, totally. Every actor I knew worked with me all night. I was completely off book of the whole script for Jerry and ready to do it. And they said, that's real good. We'll let you know. And then I found out they were, they were still holding auditions in New York. So I got my jolly, jolly Lutheran ass on an airplane and crashed the, uh, the audition. And when I got the call, I've got a little place in Vermont, a little cabin up there cold water cabin I was there all by myself and um, it was snowing it was wicked cold and it was snowing and the phone rings and I got the roll and I have no neighbors there and I was just screaming my head off there was no one I could tell oh that was a great day and shooting the thing was a joy those guys are so well prepared they know every shot they know what it's going to look like they know it so well that if something comes up they are loosey-goosey, and they can improvise. But um, it was a joy. Do you know when you're making a movie like that? Yeah. Is there a point where you go, shit, we got something here? You know, 
the question was, did you know it would be a big hit? And uh, it, I would be disingenuous to say, no, I didn't know. I did. I think I'm pretty good at reading scripts. I knew when I read Shameless, this is great. This is fucking great. It's going to run for a long time. I'm good at reading scripts, and I knew it was big. And it would change my life. It changed my life. Everything was different after that. You're so good in it. I mean, just, and the whole cast. You just, Peter Stormare. Everybody. Peter Stormare. Stormare. I know. Who's such a sweet guy? He's so freaking scary in that movie. (laughs) He's not. He's a sweet guy. And Francis McDormand. And and just, I guess that's got to stay with you forever, right? Like an experience like that. Yeah. It was, it was sweet. And, um. And I knew, and it, what a ride it was. Um, uh, I knew it was great. It had gotten really lovely reviews, and I'd gotten some ink. And uh, Flick and I are awakened by a phone call at 4.30 in the morning. And I thought, well, either someone died or I just got nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. And indeed I had. What a ride Best that was. Best supporting actor, right? You yep. got nominated for? Yeah. Who beat you? Who knows? Who remembers? Son of a bitch. <laughs> Somebody not worthy, I'm sure. No. Yeah. Uh, do you care about that stuff? I mean, I, obviously, it's got to be a big... Oh, but, yeah. I mean, do you... It's real, you know. Winning would would have been nice, It would have been nice, but if there's usually five actors, and if you're one of the five, you can take that to the bank. You did a good job that year. Um, they, it means something, especially an Emmy, because that's where all the talent is. And you've won is. two of those, right? Mm, yeah, I did. I did. I won two of those. Sports Night and Shameless. No, I didn't win for Sports oh, you Night. Didn't win for Shameless. I wrote for- something with my friend Stephen Schachter. It was called Door to Door, and we got uh, an Emmy for the script, and I got one for acting, and he got one for directing. Um, that was a, that was a great night too. Yeah, it's definitely better when you win. Now, do you get young actors ever hit you up for advice? Do you give what's the? Do you got yeah. one piece of advice that you would give? With- um, take Fountain. <laughs> no, that's an old <laughs> Betty Davis uh, line. Fountain's a, a way to get cross town here. Yes. Um, uh, you know, I don't mind, and um, I do give advice, probably more than my daughters wished I would. And um, uh, I think, uh, you know, I have, I have my notions about technique and about what uh, constitutes good acting. But I think the majority of my advice uh, boils down to work hard. Uh, get up early or work harder than anybody else and let the gods take care of the rest of it. Well, that's how they weed you out in this town. I've always said that to people as well. It's like, it's a, it's a war of attrition out yeah. here. Like, you, you know, there's so many people that come to this town. I'm going to make it. I'm going to know you're going to get the shit kicked out yeah. of you. And, and I have so much admiration for... Actors, I write, you know, and that's a different, that brings a whole different set of rejection with it as well. But with actors, boy, you walk into a room and say, they, sometimes you don't even get to read the line. They look at you and go, no. Yeah, yeah. You can feel it. <laughs> See you later. You can feel it. Yeah. You walk in, you go, hi, and the temperature drops 20 degrees. <laughs> and you know you're not getting it. And the most humiliating thing is get, you still got to do it. Well, you know, one piece of advice I have for all actors is, Believe it or not, the most frightened person in the room is the director. Because he or she has, she has more on the line than anybody else. If the character walks in and is brilliant and you say yes to that character, you're done. If you cast it wrong, 
you're in a in for a world of hurt because oh, this whole idea that directing an actor directors and actors sit around and talk about acting and technique that's horseshit you don't have time to shoot what's on the page much less to shoot it a couple of different ways it's it's a race to the finish yeah i mean maybe you know a 200 million dollars if uh, if you screw up a day, you can come back and shoot it. But on an indie or on television, forget about it. You better come up with the goods. I don't know if you can hear this, folks. In the background, there's some music thumping. Apparently, this is the point of the day when the Macy family <laughs> starts their, their Friday night rave. Yeah. And so I guess we got to wrap this thing up. But uh, I think so. It's going to get ugly soon. Yeah. Molly's coming out and all that. No, uh, anyway, I, I, I just want to say, Bill, thank you so much for uh, spending this time with me. And uh, and for pulling out the good stuff, man. Oh, yeah, this was great. Makes the day so interesting when you have <laughs> a little snifter uh, early in the day, doesn't That's it? That's right. Yeah, it does. It really does. And uh, what do we got? You got a vacation coming up. What's next for you? What's coming up? You got any projects brewing? No, I'm do- going to do a gig for Woody Creek. As I said, I write these songs on ukulele, and um, I'll do that in early September in Denver and some gigs after that. And uh, I did a film called Maybe I Do, which probably will be released... uh, Well, they tried to go to Cannes with it. I don't know if they got in or not. It'll probably be sometime in the fall when that's released. And um, I don't know. Post-Shameless, I considered myself somewhat retired. It hasn't been working out. I keep getting jobs, but... um, um, Things have changed. I worked really hard on Shameless, and now it's it's got to be... It's take it easy time. It's take it easy time. Yeah. This huh? vacation is the first one I've had in 12 years, because oh. I, I was always working in the summer, so Felicity and the girls would take a vacation. This time I'm going. Well, I hope you have a wonderful time on that vacation. Uh, everybody listening out there, get some Woody Creek. Yeah. Order it up. It's available nationwide. You got the gin, you got the bourbon, you got a rye, and soon... Bill's Barrel. Bill's Barrel. <laughs> but you better give... I'm serious. If you want to try that, you better get on the website. I'm sure you got to get on a wait list to order that, but do it. It's it's one of the best whiskeys I've had in quite some time. Bill Macy, thanks for joining us, my friend. Thank you, Dan. This was lovely. And that's going to do it for this episode of What We're Drinking. Big thanks to Bill Macy for being on the show. And of course, as always, major, major thanks to you, dear listener. I know you got a ton of options out there in the podcast versus whatever. It's made up a word. Uh, and you're listening to this show. And that means the world to me. It really does. I remind you to follow me on Instagram at the Imbiber at Twitter as well. I'm going to have some video up there of Bill Macy podcast has an instagram it's at wwd underscore podcast and if you dig this show do me a big favor and and tell a friend about it if you put it on social media it helps we're growing but we could grow more there's always more room for growth unless you got like a you know my stomach that i don't want to keep growing but it seems to be anywho how about i leave you with a little quote from robert black who said It's true that whiskey improves with age. The older I get, the more I like it.